we could pray for the offering now, please. Father God, we're so thankful. What a sweet spirit of worship. Oh, thank you, Father God. How we love you, Lord. Just tell him you love him. That, that, that's your offering to him today, your love, your praise, and your worship. Father God, we love you so much. We give you all the thanks. Father God, we do pray over this financial offering of the people that are in our midst and with us today. We ask that you, Father God, bless this offering. Bless the hands of the offering that have given. Bless even the time and the talent that people are giving and have given into this ministry. We pray, Father God, that it would be a, a sweet-smelling offering to you today. We ask you, Father God, to bless each one in this place and their families as they give. And, Father God, you said it shall be given unto them. So we thank you, Father God. We give because we love you and because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, and I just want to, um, while they're, go ahead. You can receive the offering then. And um, thank you. I guess we're done. Yeah, okay. Um, thank you, thank you. Wonderful. Uh, praise and worship. I, I just want to um, bring my little granddaughter, Brianna, up here. And while they're um, receiving the offering, um, Brianna loves the Lord. Um, when she was like about even one year old, when I would be up at our church and singing or praising the Lord, she'd just want to come up and I would pick her up and, oh, we'd both be praising the Lord together. And um, so I'm thankful for this opportunity to uh, let her share her talent with you, the gifts that God's given her. And uh, she loves to sing for the Lord, so um, she's going to sing this song for you. And um, I pray that you'll be blessed. So, Brianna, did you want to say anything? Or? Okay. All righty. Thank you. Brianna Posey. You look around and staring back at you Another wave of doubt Will it pull you under, you wonder What if I never make it? What if I'm overtaken? What if no one's there? Will you hear my prayer? Well, if you take that first step into the For. What do you have to lose? Your insecurities, they trying to alter you, but you know you make for more. So don't be afraid to move. 
fighting for Why do you have to lose your insecurities? They try to alter you But you know you're made for more So don't be afraid to move You can't see where you're going You don't have to be afraid So what are you waiting? What are you waiting for? This is the generation of the water walkers, I want you to know. They are going to be rising up and stepping out in faith because for such a time as this, right? Amen. Thank you, Brianna. That was awesome. All right. Now, let's see what Grandma's got. down right here. So. Is that good? Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, the awesome water walkers of our generation. And um, I don't know about you, but don't you see children as coming up with a more powerful testimony than maybe I, you were at your age, at their age? I, I know. Um, and um, of course, we've all been praying for it, and um, we are going to see it. I believe that. Um, I'm going to move this back over here. Excuse me. I have all my scriptures written out anyway, so this is not big enough for both. So uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about immunity. Do you understand what I say about immunity? And if not, we're going to... Um, see what that all means through the Word of God. So in 1 John 5.18, it says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot touch him. That's really a, a profound scripture verse there. The evil one cannot harm him or touch him. I don't know about you, but sometimes um, I wonder, and I did this more when I was first learning what the Word said about my life and about being a water walker, being someone who could just walk out on faith on the Word. And um, people wonder why they're always attacked and that the attacks prosper, while some other people don't even see any attack, and it seems as if nothing touches them. Well, I learned that perhaps the latter group had learned the principles of spiritual immunity. 
Even I, as I was growing in the Lord and trying to work out some various issues in my own life, I, I can remember one time at my um, kitchen table praying and having the word open and just crying and, and, you know, just lifted my hands to the Lord. I said, why, God? Why did all these things happen to me and my family? Why did it seem like we were just open for whatever attack, whatever assignment that was put against us or my brothers and sisters? Why? And immediately the Lord gave me a scripture, which really catapulted me into really studying the word and learning why. He said in his uh, word in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge of who I am. And in a, you know, paraphrase a little bit, and what I desire to give to them. And then it went on to say that if the fathers do not put him first, worship him first, he said, then he will withhold from generations after that his blessings. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's like a a light bulb went off inside of me, like the word was illuminated to me. And I thought about my family and my parents who did not put God first. They did not worship God. And so it was as if our whole family was just open to whatever attacks and whatever influence the enemy had on our lives. And so at that point of my understanding, I said, okay, Father God, the buck stops right here. This is it. No more. Me and my household, we shall worship the Lord. And so I just began to learn how to apply these uh, principles of spiritual immunity. And I want to help you to do that as well. When John says that the evil one does not touch him, he does not mean that we are completely isolated from Satan's assaults. The enemy can tempt us and sift us like wheat. We read that in, uh, you know, Peter said, the devil is going to sift you like wheat in Luke 22:31, And it was with God's permission. But he cannot lay hold of us to make us captives of sin for the rest of our lives. We may fall into his evil clutches and end up in the doubting castle as Bunyan's pilgrims did, but we have the key of escape and get back on the path to the celestial city. John says that we know that no one born of God continues in sin. But in light of some various false teachings that were going on during that time when John was speaking, true Christians can live apart that true Christians can live apart from the lordship of Christ. I wonder if we really do know this today. For we do see many who do continue to walk in sin with no repentance and call themselves a Christian. So alternatively, you and me, we can live in a place with God where you have immunity from the devil. The evil one cannot harm us. So let me explain a little bit more. Immunity 
legally exempts a person from any natural or usual liability. Synonyms for immunity are license, liberty, and rights. Antonyms are susceptibility, proneness, and liability. An alien who works in the embassy has license when living in another country. If he should commit a crime, he cannot be prosecuted under our laws. He has license to do wrong. This is an area where we, we do not have immunity. We do not have a license to sin and expect to be protected. No way. If you continue to sin, when you have lost, then, I'm sorry, when you continue to sin, then you have lost your immunity from Satan's attacks. We all sin. We know that. We acknowledge that. We all sin. This passage does not say that if you make a mistake and repent, you're not born of God. That's not what it's saying. He says that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The word continue means to habitually practice as a lifestyle. Another word is that's your conversation. Conversation scripturally means how you walk in your life. That you continually do the same thing you just repented of last Sunday and now you could just go back out and you willfully choose to do it again. That's what that's talking about. Continually, habitually practice. So if sin is your lifestyle, you don't have immunity. And I, I tell this to the girls at the center. I said, God cannot bless what he cannot bless. He cannot bless what he cannot bless. He will not go contrary to his word. So what the children of God have is the assurance that they are held in God's hand and that no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand, John 10, 28. So touch means to touch so as to harm. And God's children have assurance that they are guarded and kept by the power of God. They are not immune to temptation nor free from sin. But they are not in the hands of an arbitrary God on whom, you know, on his whim may just desert them, nor will they fall under the control of the evil one. Those who are truly children of God cannot lose the life that they have in God. Psalms 121, verse 5, it's just one of the verses. There's many. But it says, The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I walk under the covering of the keeping power of God. Do you walk under the keeping power of God? That's where God wants you to walk. The area we have immunity in is in the area of liberty and rights. Christ has liberated us and made us free. And because of this, we have these certain inalienable rights. Inalienable comes from two main words, in, meaning not, and alien, meaning without citizenship. Jesus said, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. 
In 1 John 5.19, the following verse of the first one I used, it says, we know, there's many times when John emphasizes what we know. He knew without a doubt who Jesus was and what walking in Christ and being translated from darkness into his marvelous light, from one kingdom to the next. He knew what that meant. And he is impressing, and it's a good whole book to read, First John. Just go home and read it, meditate it on, on it this week. Because he says, we know, we know, we know. And, and sometimes we say, I get it, I get it, I get it. But do we get it? Do we really get it? <laughs> it says, for we know that we are children of God. And that the whole world is under the control or the sway of the evil one. Let's just look carefully at a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, keeping power of God. He said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Well, glory to God. You are not of this world and thus are not subject to this world's curse. You are not citizens of this world, but of heaven. You don't have to have the same problems that the world has. You can be exempt, immune from anything that is normal to this world. Jesus prayed that God would protect them from the evil one. Meaning that that protection is available. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't there. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Father God, protect them from the evil one. We are the them that he prayed for. He has prayed for your protection from the evil one. So this immunity that I'm helping you to think about here, Jesus is the same immunity that Jesus had. Jesus said they are not of the world even as I am not of it. Jesus was not of this world. He had immunity. So let's look at some scriptures here. And again, this is only a few of the scriptures that you can do a further study and meditate on and think about when you've got trials and troubles that are just flooding your way and you think, God, what's going on? And just like... Brianna said, you got to take a step. you got to take a step on the water and believe that what Jesus says in his word is true. It's either true or it's not true. What do you believe? Is all of his word true for us today as we can apply it today in our own lives? Is this word for us when he prayed, they are not of this world even as the, I am not? Father, protect them from the evil one. Lord Jesus, help us. You know, in John 14, 30, Jesus spoke these words. He said, he has no hold on me. 
Have you ever meditated on that and then went through the New Testament and saw how Jesus walked, what his conversation was? His life, even when people came against him, and I'd say, oh, Lord, please help me in this. Help me to just shut my mouth. You know, but that old flesh rises up, and I want to retaliate. I want to defend, and I want to say something. But, oh, my gosh, how often do I have to remind myself, even at that very time, do not say a word. Do not say one word. That's how Jesus walked his life on this earth. There were very few times when he did speak up and he did show his belief and his authority. Most of the time, he was silent as a lamb who went to slaughter. So in verse, uh, in John 7, 44, is a scripture that says some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. How many times do you feel like some people have certain things against you and they just want to bring harm to you? They want to speak against you. And you can use this scripture, pray this scripture, and say, Father God, let no one lay a hand on me. And, and I, you know, scripture I pray and I use is no weapon formed against me shall prosper in the name of Jesus. And, you know, again, we're not dealing with people. That's where we got to get, you know, up in the spirit realm. We're not dealing with flesh and blood. We're dealing with power and principalities of the air that are against every Christian sitting in this room. In John 8, 20, it says, Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Well, make this your profession. No one can seize me because my time has not yet come. Here's another one, John 10, 39. They tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Well, come on, say it. When people try to capture me, I will escape from their grasp. In John 10, 18, it says, No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord, boldly say, I am not of this world. No one can take my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I submit. You lay it down and submit to the will of God in your life. I don't know about you, but I had trouble with that because I wanted to control it. I didn't have a lot of control in my childhood. So when I grew up and, you know, in the flesh, this was not in the spirit, I wanted to control everything and everyone around me. Thank God he helped me to learn how to submit to his will. So most would agree that Jesus had immunity. Would you agree that Jesus had immunity on this earth when he walked it? He had immunity. But they balk, most people, We'll acknowledge that, but then they balk at the notion of the believer having immunity. Maybe they say something that goes like this. Well, this sounds good, but experience tells us that we don't have immunity. I mean, I was there back then. Experience tells us we don't have immunity. Satan is pretty much free to do whatever he wants to us. The trouble with that statement 
is the person who makes it is listening to experience and not the word. You're putting your eyes on the experience and the issues and the troubles, but you're not putting your eyes on the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. What does God say about your situation? You know, and I tell the girls this often because they walk in with fear all over them. Fear. Oh, this is, I'm afraid this is going to happen. Somebody said this. And I go, wait a minute. Where's the evidence? Fear is false evidence appearing real. I go, where is the evidence? Well, I don't know just what they said. I said, well, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe someone? Or what does God say about your life? So we have to examine these things in ourselves. Every day when we come against that spirit of fear that wants to really knock us out. So I, you know, have just gotten to that place where I, I don't care what I have experienced as far as harm or hurt has gone. I see in the word a place that I can abide in, where I have immunity. I am going to live in this place. What about you? It says in um, uh, Psalm 91, verse 9, it says, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, keep thee, keep thee in all thy ways. We don't have automatic immunity, and here is why. If we go back to Psalm 91, verse 9, the first word that we encounter is because. We have immunity because there's something we do to have it. Because we have made the Lord, which is our refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. We're walking in and under, surrounded by, immersed in, the lifestyle of God. That's the keeping power. That's the immunity. And it's not automatic. Don't we know that? All of God's promises are conditional. There are no automatic promises. God does not make a promise, and then all of a sudden, that promise simply takes off by itself and fulfills itself in our lives. No. God's promises are conditional, including that promise of immunity. So notice the original passage that we looked at. I'm going to look at it again. 1 John 5.18. It says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. The New English Bible says... It is the Son of God who keeps him safe. However, the King James Version says, But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that 
wicked one touches him not. I believe it is our responsibility to keep ourselves in the protective arms of God in order that he may keep us. <laughs> he doesn't have a guarantee of keeping you every time you walk out of his will. He doesn't have a guarantee of keeping you and, and providing immunity for you if you choose to willfully walk your own way. Is that right? I don't hear any amens out there. <laughs> I'm hoping you're amening and saying, yeah, I, I believe that. So who is the one that keeps him safe? It's the one who was born of God. We are born of God. I, I hope everyone in this room is born of God. Are you all born of God? Amen. Yes, Christ is also born of God, but he expects us to do our part in keeping ourselves in this place of immunity. This scripture won't work for you simply because you want it to work. It will work when you put it to work. And you put it to work by faith. Being a water walker. Taking a step out there. You must believe it in order for it to work. If you don't believe, then it won't work. At the chapel over at the Bradenton Bridge, I um, had one of the girls, very artistic, I said, would you please write this on the wall? Write this on the wall over there. And it says, believe and receive. Simple truth. Believe, and the and is under the cross. <laughs> it says, believe and, under the cross, receive on the other side of the cross. And they're getting it. They're getting it. Thank you, Lord. It's awesome. So, religion tries to make excuses for us when the devil attacks us. Instead of acknowledging the possibility that we are not in the place of immunity, it teaches religion, it teaches that the devil's attacks against us was for our good. Hmm. I don't believe that. I believe we simply gave the devil an open door to come into our lives and wreak havoc. I know that God can work that evil work out for some good as a testimony. But that was an attack of the enemy. That is not under the immunity of God. So, it's time that we learn how to appropriate our immunity. And, and I want to show you how we can do that. We'll be done by noon. So, Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. No thing, no thing can hurt you. You have authority over Satan and all his demons. They can't hurt you when you walk in your authority. Now, I'm just going to give you a little, little tiny example how I use this scripture. I had um, gotten my own little apartment. It was a duplex apartment. And... Um, 
you know, I was in there one evening as I had just first moved in there, and I was just praying, had my Bible on my bed, reading it. All of a sudden, I heard this in the walls, you know, and I went, oh, Lord, I think those are rats. Oh, Lord, I don't like rats. <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And, and so I got that scripture. I got that Luke 19, 10, 19, and I, and I started praying it. I said, now you got to go in the name of Jesus. Go. Well, I didn't hear any more little pitter-patter, and so I went to sleep. I was good. The next day, my neighbor comes knock, knock, knocking at my door. Did you hear all them rats? I go, yeah, but I don't hear them on my side. You know why? I prayed, and I asked God that to, to make them leave. I said, I'll come over there and do it for you. Oh, no, I'm moving. I'm not doing that. I went, well, okay. So they moved out, and a new couple moved in. Come knocking on my door, told me who they were, and they said, did you see this? I go, what? There's a bunch of dead rats over there on our side. <laughs> I said, well, thank you, Lord. They, got, they had to go, right? Well, and, and that, a true story, you know. Uh, I, I was, like, amazed, amazed at what God would do when you applied the word and believed the truth of God's word. Various times I've taken him at his word, and he's faithful and true. He is your covering. He is your keeping power. He is your protection. So nothing will harm you. You have authority over Satan. You might say, I wish I could believe that. You can believe that. You simply have to choose. I'm sorry. I worded this differently. You can believe it. You, ha you have simply chosen not to believe it. Say, oh, I wouldn't do that to the word of God. Well, then take him at his word. You have immunity. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish Oh, the flaming darts of the evil one. Ephesians 6, 16. Do you believe the word? You can do a study of what all those fiery darts are, and you realize that, whoa, there's a lot of things I can ask God to stop and, and restrain. The Holy Spirit is the restrainer of evil. We can ask him to restrain the evil from our lives. How many arrows can your faith extinguish? Some? Most? Nope. <laughs> the word says all the flaming arrows of the evil one can be quenched. You don't have to have one of them pierce you. Not one. For this to work, you have to take up that shield of faith. God won't take it up for you. You have to pick it up and use it. Paul was using a vivid analogy known to the people of his day. Only until recently, I finally understood really what this means because I apply it in our community at the bridge. If you know the movie The Gladiators, it was shown in that movie how shields worked in the Bible days. 
I, I don't know if you remember the movie or ever saw it, but in the beginning of the movie, there was a battle scene. And the enemies of Rome began to light their arrows and fling them across that, that cold crevice. As they did, the Roman soldiers hooked up their shields together, creating an impenetrable barrier. The soldiers calmly found their shield, their, their uh, shelter under the shields. That's the picture that Paul gives. We don't have to worry uh, that there's going to be an opening in the shield. There's no opening. When we hook our faith together, we become an impenetrable force that Satan can't enter. We have total protection against him. This is why Satan wants us to fight against each other. I had a counseling office over on Manatee Avenue before I, you know, became a chaplain over here and counseled various people, married, Christians that were married. One of the first questions I asked Christian couples, do you pray together? And the wife is usually sitting there with her head hanging down and the, the husband's usually looking around. Do you Join your shield of faith together. Do you pray together so that it's a, a, you have immunity against the devil in your marriage and in your family? Pray together. I don't care if you're mad. They say, well, we're just too mad at each other. I said, are you too angry to take a hold of each other's hands and say, God, help us? Is that... Something that you can't do. You've got to pray together or you're not going to win the battles. You're not going to have that immunity over your marriage and your family. So this was an awesome picture. Our faith must work together. When we believe and trust God together, there is immunity from Satan. You can't stand alone. Immunity won't work that way. You must join your faith with others. And it's the community of faith. If you're single and you don't have anyone to hook up with for that shield of faith, you hook up with your church, with your singles group, with your friends. And you hook up with them and you say, i got to pray about this. I need your help. I need you to stand with me in this. And guess what? It works. So, I've seen miracles take place when people come together, believing God for miracles. Sure, you can trust God for miracles on your own, but why not hook your shield of faith with others so nothing can even hurt you? Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. He knew the power of faith community. So let's talk about how and what we do in order to hinder this immunity. Psalm 91.7, it says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I really believe this. I'm saying what the psalmist said. He said, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I believe I have immunity. Even when it looks like I'm about to die. I will have protection. 
Jesus had this protection. I love the story when he preached in Nazareth. Everyone got angry at his message. They grabbed him and took him to a cliff. And what, what did Jesus do? Luke 4, 28 through 30. It says he walked through the crowd. And it says, and they all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the borough of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might just cast him down headlong. But he was passing through the midst of them, and he went on his way. <laughs> I love it. No fighting. He simply walked through the crowd. He knew his immunity. He became almost invisible to them. They didn't even see him anymore. That's the protection of God. That's the shield of the Most High that'll come around you. It's awesome when we stand and understand we all have this. If you took your immunization shots for polio, would you be afraid to stand near someone with polio? No, because you know you have immunity. When you know you have immunity against Satan's attacks, you don't worry about being harmed. You know you have protection. You don't worry about losing your house. You're not afraid of dying with an incurable disease. You are not concerned that your ministry will go under. You don't have fear because you have immunity. What's the key to exercising immunity? Your mouth. The key is your mouth. Psalm 91.2. I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. He does not hope that the Lord is his refuge. He knows it. How do we know he knows it? His words reveal what he really believes. He wrote, I will say of the Lord. He verbalizes his faith. If your faith is silent, then your faith is aborted. You might have conceived God's promise of immunity, but you were not sure to verbalize it. You didn't want to sound presumptuous. You thought, well... Maybe it might work. So I don't want to give God a bad name if he fails to protect me. So you keep silent. Your faith was aborted. Your faith must be released through your words. You must say you are immune. Your words are the shots in the arm to keep you immune. You remember when God created, he said, let there be light. He didn't just think, well, I think I'll make light. I think I'll take all of these components and take all this time and work it out and figure it out, and then I'll create light. He spoke light. He's the word. We have the word to speak life and light into our lives. 
So you can have immunity from the devil by saying, the evil one cannot harm me because the Lord keeps me safe. Satan has no hold on me. I've been marked with the seal of ownership by God myself. He marked me with the Holy Spirit. I stand by this faith. Christ is my ark of safety. When I pass through the waters, he will keep us safe. I want you to begin to just put all of your hope and trust in him. It, it, you can go on to say, and, and just take scripture and verbalize it like this, when I can pass through the waters, the river will not sweep over me. When I walk through the fire, I will not be burned because my Lord is with me. I fear not because he has redeemed me. He has summoned me by my name. I belong to him. The blood of Jesus is over my life, and demons must pass over me. You just plead the blood of Jesus, and it's just as if the Passover, the blood lentil is over you. Every demon has to pass you by because you have professed, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life. I have the mark of the Lord on my forehead. Therefore, no harm will come to me. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but no disaster will come near me. I make the most high my dwelling, even my refuge, so no harm will befall me and no disaster will come near my dwelling. I, I have prayed, I have had even the sense to, to pray it at very specific times. Um, my daughter went on a mission trip she was, in, she was graduated from high school, went on a mission trip. She was in with Youth with a Mission. And um, I was, you know, just sleeping one night, and the Lord woke me up. It's like he said, pray. you got to pray. And her name was very strong in my mind. I said, okay, Lord, but I don't know how to pray. Well, I have the gift of tongues, so I started praying in tongues. I didn't know what was wrong. Two days later, my daughter calls me, Mom, what? You're not going to believe what happened. I said, well, I might. <laughs> you know, tell me. She said, well, I was going to go to the movie with the director's wife. We were going to go to a movie. And she said, "For I, I don't even know what the reason was. I couldn't go. She said she got in an automobile accident, and a semi-truck hit the passenger side. She said, Mom, I would have been dead. Well, I said, how's the director? She's fine, unhurt. But if I would have gone, I would have been dead. No harm shall fall upon you or your family. That's just one example. But it has happened. It was true. And she was like, oh, my gosh. And I said, well, the Lord woke me up to pray, so I guess that's why I was. So I have immunity from the evil one. I hope this helps you to understand that immunity you are inoculated through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's angels that are charged over you to resist all evil assignments against you and your family. But you have to take it. You have to walk in it. And you have to believe what the Word says. I hope I've given you enough Word today to believe God at His Word for your life. Let's pray. Before we pray, I'm just going to, you know, the Lord has given people a certain immunity to influence Satan up to the point of decision. 
In Proverbs 29.1, it says, He that being often reproved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Don't be one of those. I've encountered people like that, especially believing God for their lives myself to change their lives, and they continually have this stiff neck, and they keep going out and doing the same thing. And God showed me this. There's only a point, and it's their decision. And we can't always bring them to it. But I'm going to keep believing God <laughs> that he will. But then, it, it, you know, you have to understand that every time they resist the truth, they're hardening their spirit against the Lord. Therefore, if we reject the truth, we, re we receive strong delusion that we may believe a lie. Those who are the devil's children, at least, until someone reaches that point. And if he's not made the final decision, as long as God's spirit is still dealing with him, he still has that certain immunity or mercy for God's protection. Keep believing until he comes. For whoever is in your life that is having a real stiff neck to walk in God's way. I keep believing, and soon you see it come about. So the Lord's protection is just like a force field around us, and the enemy cannot penetrate it. It's impossible for him to penetrate it unless the Lord allows him to do it as a spanking, so to speak, a chastising as reaping of something that you have done that you haven't confessed or that you're sorry for. The Lord allows you to reap the results. So if you're in the Lord, then you're his child. And you don't have anything to worry about. You shouldn't fear. You shouldn't worry. You know the Lord's protecting you. He keeps you. He howls. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because we trust in you. For perfect love casts out fear, and greater are you that is in us, Lord, than he that is in the world. All we have to do is resist. All we have to do is submit to you, to your way of life. And as we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. Help us remember to submit to your way first and then see it come about. We rest in you today, Lord. We sleep in you, in the hollow of your arms, your hands, your wings, your secret place. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and it's like you're just special force field around us, Lord, a special kind of glory that protects us. We thank you how, for how you keep us and how you protect us. Father God, I want to pray for a few things. I want to pray for 
um, Pastor Larry and all his family and the other family that had to go away suddenly. I just want to pray you're keeping power over them, Father God. You're refreshing to come to them as they are on vacation and they're resting. They're getting that much-needed R&R that they need. Be, let them be refreshed in all that you have for them, Lord. Bless them every step of their way, and protect them from the evil one. They can have no assignment over them. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over their lives. The other family that had to go on emergency, whatever it is, Father God, we're asking you to provide. Bring the provision of whatever it is they need for this specific attack. That you, Father God, would be present with them and resist every evil that comes their way. Father God, we lift up Miss Debbie Dennis, who, whose her father had to go into the hospital last night. We're praying for your healing. We're praying that you, Father God, touch him. Touch him by your Holy Spirit. Bring healing and relief of stress, relief of pain. We ask that you give the doctors wisdom. We ask that you just pour out your peace and comfort upon the whole family as they continue to lift him up and pray for him to get out of the hospital and to be strengthened again. And Father God, I pray for everyone here in this room today. I pray you touch them, Lord. I pray, Father God, you bring to their remembrance how they can stand in this immunity from the evil one, how they can inoculate themselves with the word every day, professing and claiming and speaking out your word over themselves and their families, that you, Father God, may show them your great and mighty presence and protection in their lives. We give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming and listening, and I pray it was a blessing to you. And, you know, I just want to commend this church for all they do for the women there at the center. They are, you all are faithfully there when they need, when they get out and they need their place furnished. It's such an awesome blessing. And, and all of your prayers for them, that's connecting with that community of faith and putting up that shield of protection around them. And I know how disappointing it is when some fall. But please don't give up. Please pray. Continue to pray for their stiff-neckedness <laughs> and deliverance from every addiction because it takes a community of faithful believers to even just help one. So I just want to thank you all very much. And have a great day. Amen. <laughs>